1: And I'm Nuria martinez Kiel. You're listening to The Source.
0: Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them.
1: Supporters of legalizing recreational marijuana say they're being blocked from putting a state question on the November 8th general election ballot. They've asked the state Supreme Court to intervene before it's too late. Reporter Carmen Foreman is here today to talk about State Question 820. If it becomes law, it would legalize recreational marijuana for people age 21 and older. No need for a medical marijuana card or a medical purpose at all. But a lawsuit was filed this week claiming that state officials are slowing down the process and might stop the state question from getting on the general election ballot at all. So what roadblocks do they say are
2: happening? Basically, the Secretary of State's office, which is in charge of counting and verifying the citizen signatures that any initiative petition campaign turns in, they've changed up their process. And the way they've done that is they're now outsourcing the process of verifying signatures to an outside company. So they used to hire sort of temporary paid staffers to come in, obviously temporary because you don't have that many initiative petitions coming in. So those staffers would come in, they'd count the signatures, they'd make sure that the people who signed petitions are real, Oklahoma registered voters and then they'd go from there. Now we have an outside company that is doing things in a different way. I believe they're doing it through an electronic process as a as opposed to a manual sort of verification process. Anyways, the Yes on 820 campaign says it's taking a lot longer because this is the first time the state has ever used this new process and outsourced to an outside company.
1: The deadline to get any measure on the November 8th general election ballot is Friday, which is the day that this podcast will come out. So wanted to ask what does the timeline look like for this lawsuit? It's coming before the state Supreme Court. They have very little time left to um, intervene on this. So what's the timeline looking like?
2: So um, I'll, I'll add a little asterisk to what you said about the deadline to qualify for the November ballot. Um, you said the deadline is Friday, and it sort of is. Basically, the state election board said that they need to know by Friday because they essentially start printing ballots ASAP. Um Monday is in a letter to Governor Kevin Stitt, they wrote that Monday is the drop dead deadline. So a little less than a week from now. But they also said as a practical matter, the governor needs to inform them by Friday. So as for the timeline before the Supreme Court, the a referee for the Oklahoma Supreme Court is scheduled to listen to hearings in this case on friday uh friday morning ten thirty a.m um so conceivably there could still be time if the supreme court feels like ruling in the favor of the yes on 820 campaign to you know Help them out. Conceivably, by Monday, there could be a ruling. But you know as well as I do, having previously covered courts, Nuria, that when it comes to the court system, nothing moves very quickly. And so it could be that it, the referee for the Supreme Court hears arguments on Friday, and it could take a while for the court itself to make an opinion, or the court itself could decide, well, we want to hear arguments as well. So we need to go off of that, all while we're getting closer to the November election.
1: So, Carmen. Your story references that there are multiple procedural steps to get any measure on a ballot. So let's say the state Supreme Court rules in favor of this lawsuit or that the counting process wraps up in time for all of these signatures to be confirmed and verified. Is that still
2: a guarantee that this will be on the general election ballot? So it's it's largely thought to be a guarantee that If and when the Secretary of State's office certifies you had the correct number of signatures, you met the threshold, that you will make it on the ballot. And the Secretary of State's office has done that at this point and said, 820 did collect enough signatures. But then after that, there's all these sort of procedural steps. When you first file an initiative petition, there's a 10-day challenge window in which anybody could come in and sue and say, you know, I don't think this initiative petition is constitutional. I think this sentence in there goes against the law. or You can challenge for a number of reasons. And then on the back end of the process, after you collect the signatures, the signatures get certified. There's another 10-day challenge window in which somebody can bring a lawsuit and either challenge the wording of the proposed ballot question or... This signatures that were verified. And so that could still happen in this case. And that's why these folks are asking the state Supreme Court to intervene because, you know, although the Secretary of State's office has certified the signatures, that 10-day challenge period hasn't started. So it's very clear once that starts, they're they're going to miss the deadline because we're you know, it's within 10 days. But we'll see if the state Supreme Court agrees with them. But they're basically saying they expect all those steps, all those procedural hurdles to go off without a hitch. So they're asking the state Supreme Court to make the state election board print ballots for state question 820 in anticipation that they clear all those hurdles. And more than likely, they will and they they would without any problems but a lawsuit a challenge could hold it up for weeks months potentially a long time
0: the organizers of the petition for state question 820 say they collected well enough signatures in order to bring this question to voters but the lawsuit claims that the state is taking twice as long as usual to confirm whether they actually got enough valid signatures tell us how has this initiative petition process how is that compared to how the state handled state questions in the past
2: So in the lawsuit, the Yes on 820 campaign, or maybe I should say attorneys for the Yes on 820 campaign, point to the Medicaid expansion vote from just a couple years ago when organizers for the Medicaid expansion initiative petition were gathering signatures. They gathered 313,000 signatures, and the Secretary of State's office then counted them in about 17 days, according to the lawsuit. When it comes to State Question 820, the recreational marijuana state question, organizers turned in, I believe it was about 160,000 signatures, 117,000 of those were verified. Um, They really only had to have Just over 94,000 to qualify. But they said that it took 48 days for the Secretary of State's office to count those signatures. So you can do the math. That's more than double what it took to count a lot more signatures for the Medicaid expansion question.
1: A lot of this controversy is focusing on getting this state question on the November 8th general election ballot. That doesn't mean that they couldn't theoretically put this on any other ballot um, that might come up throughout the coming year. So what's so important about getting recreational marijuana on the general election ballot? Not just for this state question, but how does that matter for every other question and every other candidate that is going to be on that November 8th ballot? It's a really good question
2: because... (laughs) Who, honestly, who knows what could happen if this recreational marijuana question lands on the November ballot? We saw when medical marijuana was on the primary ballot that there was huge voter turnout. I mean, just unprecedented voter turnout, people turning out to vote for that. And then while they're in the polling booth, they happen to vote for other statewide elections or down ballot races. And so when you have a governor's race on the ballot, two U.S. Senate races, a whole host of down ballot races, it's hard to know, you know, what effect having recreational marijuana on the ballot could have in that election. But more than likely, it would increase voter turnout. And there's this old, you know, political wisdom, this logic, I guess, that generally Republicans do better when there is low voter turnout. Now, we are a Republican-heavy state. There are Republicans in this state that support medical cannabis and would almost certainly support recreational cannabis. So that's not to say that all the people that would turn out to vote for state question 820 would be Democrats or independents or more liberal minded folks, because you'd have conservative people who would support the question. But generally, Republicans do better when there's low voter turnout. So if we get a mass of people going to the polls to vote for this, who knows how well Republicans would do?
0: this state question is about more than just recreational cannabis. It also includes some criminal justice reforms. Carmen, could you tell us about those and how those reforms differ from other reforms we've seen adopted over the past three, four years?
2: So essentially, if passed, state question 820 would apply retroactively. So for example, if I This didn't happen, but I'm just telling you as a hypothetical. Let's say five years ago, I was arrested and somebody found a joint in my car. And so I got charged with, let's say, a misdemeanor drug charge, drug possession, uh, no intent to sell or anything like that. So I get a, you know, that's on my record. It's not actually, this is a hypothetical still. But if that were on my record and State Question 820 passed, well, it outlines a process in which I could go to the court system and say, look, recreational marijuana is legal now. So I can have all the joints in my car that I want to within a certain amount, of course. You know, not driving a clown car full of joints. So all that to say, if recreational weed becomes legal, then I could argue in front of the courts and say that my conviction and what's on my record should no longer be there. Because anybody who's age 21 and older can walk into a store, get recreational cannabis. We could have people from out of state come into our state and get recreational cannabis. So that is really interesting, but it also is not unprecedented. So a couple years ago, the Oklahoma legislature, after voters had passed State Question 780, they made it retroactive. So essentially, people who had been previously convicted for low-level drug and property crimes, would now be able to have their convictions cleared, be able to get out of prison if they were in prison solely for those those crimes. So it kind of, you know, it, it kind of matches what Oklahoma has already done on criminal justice reform. Except, in this case, you wouldn't have to wait around for the legislature to take action because it would already be in the state question.
1: I just want to reiterate one more time, Carmen was not arrested on a, on a charge of... Marijuana possession, just so our listeners know that it was a hypothetical. So, Dale, I want to actually switch the question over to you. Um, You've covered the business side of the cannabis industry. How do you think recreational marijuana will impact an industry built right now on medical marijuana? You know, just especially considering that there's a moratorium on creating new businesses.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting inflection point. We're we're about to start a a two year period, a maximum of two years, where uh, dispensaries, processors, and growers will not be able to enter the market if they're brand new. So we'll be pretty much stuck with what we have for the for the next two years or until uh, the, the agency that regulates the medical marijuana industry decides that it's caught up with all the licensing issues that, that they've had to deal with. But uh, the, the big question is here is you know, how this affects the industry and, and I have to admit, I think the industry expects something like this. They've expected recreational marijuana since the beginning they you know, they may have formed their businesses and formed their business plans based on uh, the laws that were in existence, um, the medical marijuana laws. But, you know, pretty much everyone I've talked to says that recreational will be the law someday. And companies that aren't preparing for that now by, you know, shoring up their logistics, you know, uh, putting their brand out there, not just for medical marijuana customers, but to anyone. Um, these are all laying the the, the the framework, the groundwork for an economy that includes recreational marijuana. I don't, I don't know if there will be any growing pains, um, but if we pass recreational marijuana, it's really going to lock in those existing businesses um, that have, you know, at least in the back of their mind, thought about what Oklahoma is going to look like if we adopt recreational.
2: One thing I would say to that is that, you know, while Um, marijuana and cannabis related businesses expect that they would have a lot more sales and make more money if recreational was passed, conceivably the state would be bringing in more money too because um, the state question would include a 15% excise tax on recreational marijuana sales. So people that are familiar with the industry know that medical marijuana sales are taxed at 7% and so would continue to be taxed at 7% should state question 820 get on the ballot and pass but this uh, would allow the state to tax at a higher rate recreational sales and bring in more tax revenue to use for education local government and other things
1: well it certainly would be a major moment for oklahoma um, but we have yet to see if it'll even be on the general election ballot Um, so carmen thanks for being here and taking us through all of that Uh, and to our listeners thanks for joining us this week This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.